It's the Chronicles of Aguna preview show. We are back. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by AMS Media. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, and we are back bringing you a Premier League preview show. It feels like forever since we've done one of these, and I cannot wait to see the Gunners back in competitive action. Although Manchester City are our opponents, so you know there's a good chance we'll be fairly miserable by the end of tomorrow night. Joining me on this edition of the podcast to help me preview the game is a very talented football writer, a Manchester City fan and a friend. It's the brilliant James Thompson. James, welcome to the Chronicles of Aguna, mate. How are you, first of all? I'm not too bad, mate. How are you? Not bad, not bad. Excited, buzzing that football is back. Uh, well, it will be back tomorrow. Um, as I said, it's not the ideal fixture from an Arsenal perspective. Um, but, you know, football is football. So we're glad to, to have it back and to be getting back into the swing of things. Um, we're going to look ahead at the game. I'm going to get your thoughts on a few topics, uh, Manchester City related. Get your take on some of the ongoings at the Etihad this season and your thoughts on Mikel Arteta as well. But I'm going to start off by letting our listeners know uh, how they can watch the game. First of all, it is live on Sky Sports. It's an 8.15 kickoff um, and you'll be able to tune in and watch that one live. Now, in terms of the Premier League head-to-head record between these two sides, there have been 45 fixtures between the two. Manchester City have won 12 of those. Arsenal have won 23 and there's been 10 draws. But actually, five of Manchester City's uh, wins in this fixture have come in the last five meetings between these two clubs. So it shows you a real shift in power uh, when you look at these two. Um James, I want to start off by talking about what's happened at City this season because they are well off the pace in terms of where Liverpool are. And, and that shouldn't take anything away from Liverpool because they've been excellent. Um, you know, they've been like a machine. They they were like a machine last season as well. But Pep Guardiola's machine was slightly better oiled. Um, and you guys went all the way in the end. What's different about Manchester City this season? And what do you put the fact that, you know, you're 25 odd points behind down to? Uh, there has been some problems this season. Uh, the injuries. Uh, America Paul and Leroy Sane have been out pretty much the whole year. And, you know, they've been two, I'd say, crucial figures in City's success over the past two years, certainly with uh, Sane's attacking prowess. You know, he's one of the most dangerous attacking players I've seen in Europe, to be honest. And then <clears throat> Laporte, when he joined in January 2018, he slotted in absolutely perfectly. Uh, you know, he's, he's so calm on the ball. He, it's like he's been playing for years and years and he's still only fairly young. Uh, him and company together towards the end of last season were just were just excellent together. And there's another thing that's an issue as well: no company anymore. You know, such a big figure like him on the pitch and in the dressing room as a voice and a leader. You know, with him at Andalex now, his absence is you know huge as it was on the pitch. Do you think that Pep Guardiola has? Uh, I guess he's been stuck for centre halves and he's had to move Fernandinho back into the defence. How much of an impact has that had on the balance in midfield? What do you make of Rodri, a player who's come in? And he's had mixed reviews in truth. I've I've been impressed with Rodri because I think for such a young player, and you could say he's the perfect pet player because that's what he wants. He wants uh, the sort of Sergio Busquets role. So that's how I think people see him as as, uh, this pet player who's going to just slot in perfectly and just do the business. 
like Laporte has. But uh, I, I, I'm a big fan of Rodri. I think he's shown what he is capable of, but I don't think he's the finished article as yet. I think he's had a good first season. He's not been brilliant, but Pep keeps picking him and he does okay. I don't think he's perfect defensively-wise. I think he's could be a bit sharper in places, sort of like Fernandinho is with his athleticism and his ability to just get into players and get the ball back at, by any means. But uh, I think if he stays for a while, I think he could be, become a really, really important player for City under Pep. Brilliant stuff. Let's talk about Mikel Arteta. Of course, he spent some some wonderful years at the Etihad alongside Pep Guardiola, who he speaks so highly of. You know, whenever people mention his name in a press conference, you see this smile on Mikel Arteta's face. It's clear that not only did they have an excellent working relationship, but they had a great personal one too. Um, what did you make of Mikel Arteta's time at the Etihad uh, as a Manchester City fan? What sort of impact did he have personally on, on the team and the success that came as a result? Well, uh, it was great to have him at the at the club because, you know, he's he's a big Premier League man. He's been in the Premier League for ages with Arsenal and Everton and so on. Uh, I was glad to see him move into coaching because I think it's just great to see, you know, Premier League players move on to that next sort of stage after, after he stopped playing. Um, I was happy to have him at the club. Uh, in terms of um, what... Uh, sort of impact he had. I, I read somewhere that I think uh, it was Raheem Sterling who said that he had a huge impact uh, and good relationship with Arteta and how he improved as a player. And Sterling's been one of the most uh, important players in City's squad over the past few years and his development has just been incredible. So if, if he says that's down to Arteta, then obviously Arteta's had a massive impact at City and a big reason why they've been so successful recently. And uh, when I heard he was wanting to get the Arsenal job, I thought, that's great for him because, you know, that's his club, really. So, and how long is he going to be wanting to be next to Pep in his shadow for all his coaching career? Probably not. So, I'm glad to see he got his move. I'm glad to see he's doing well. Uh, I hope he can continue his good form when, you know, when the Premier League comes. Obviously not against City now, but uh, after that, I hope uh, he carries on doing well for Arsenal. And then maybe next season pushes them to near the uh, top four where... Obviously, they'll want to be in where he'll want to be. So I wish him nothing but success. And that's great to hear because, you know, often football can be very, um, I guess, what's the word? You know, very tribal. Um, people don't want people to succeed at other clubs. And it is nice to hear of fans appreciative of the work that Mikel Arteta done at the Etihad and now wishing him the best at the Emirates Stadium. I mean, for me, he has come in and he's he's got everybody on side instantly from, you know, when they were talking about Mikel Arteta coming in. And I remember at the time, because there were links with Carlo Ancelotti as well, who ended up at Everton and he joined Everton, I think the next day or the day before. So there was a lot of speculation about those two and where they would end up. And for me, I was very much beating the Carlo Ancelotti drum because I felt like Arsenal had fallen so far that they needed somebody with experience, with um, I guess, a, a commanding nature, somebody who you look at and you go, yeah, we know what he's about. He's the finished article. He's the real deal. And so I was worried about Mikel Arteta coming in and taking this job. But what I have to say is, although it's early in his tenure and we shouldn't make definitive judgments on, on where he'll be in the longer term, I think that he captured me from the first uh, press conference. I thought he spoke so well. Um, he reminded me of Pep in a way where he was very calm and calculated, very dealt with the press really well. Um, and that's often one of the biggest challenges. And, and Unai Emery, prior to Mikel Arteta, 
for a number of reasons, mainly the language barrier. He really struggled to deal with the press. And that inability to communicate with the fans through that medium made it even more difficult for Unai Emery to succeed. So I think Mikel Arteta coming in, speaking the way he did, um, clearly getting the players on side as early as he has, for me, has um, you know gone a long way in mending the relationship between a lot of the fans who were fed up um, and the club now. So it's great to see uh, that he's having an impact and I'm really excited about what he'll bring to the table. Is there a worry amongst Manchester City fans that this could be a, a difficult, uh, well, a more difficult game uh, knowing that Mikel Arteta understands Pep's philosophy, he understands the system and he knows a number of your players very, very well? Possibly. I th I'd say that just goes more towards the excitement of the game rather than you know the worry of, of are they going to find us out or are they going to you know, beat us or whatever. I just think it's great to see Arteta with his own team, his his club. So him against Pep, I think he's just going to be excellent. Really. I just wish it was under different circumstances and you and me could both be there. But it is <laughs> yeah, how it is. So just have to enjoy it with, with what's there and hope for a great game, which I'm sure it would be. Yeah, I'm sure it will be too. What do you think, uh, just before I let you go, James, what do you think about... Um, City for next season. What what's the, the the key issues that you need to address so that you can push on and try and close the gap on Liverpool once more? Uh, I think getting Laporte back to full fitness and keeping him in the team as much as possible. Uh, in terms of transfers, there are some areas that I think do need to be covered, sort of more defensively than attack. Really, with the with the injury issues there as well, and just holes that need to be filled up. Really. Um, and I think we just need to stay consistent with, you know, performances, individual performances, because it's been individual mistakes that have cost us points, like uh, Benjamin Mendy against Wolves. He let the ball go towards the end and then they scored and won. So I think that needs tightening up. Transfer-wise, I think maybe one or two, but not hugely important on that one. But yeah, Liverpool have just been so good. They've, they've been, like you said, a machine. So we need to hope that we can match them at least for next season. Absolutely. Uh, let's have your uh, prediction for the game. I know it's really difficult to make predictions given that I guess the form book's gone out of the window seeing as we haven't played for so long. But, you know, are you pretty confident that, that City will take all three points here? Uh, I am confident, yeah. I am. Uh, there's there's usually quite a lot of goals in when, when Arsenal come to visit or whenever they play Arsenal. So I, I'd say there will be a win. I think it will be... I'll go for 3-1 to City. Interesting stuff. I, I'm going to go. Well, I'll give my prediction later on when I run through the uh, my predicted Arsenal team. Um, James, thank you so much for joining me, mate. Really, really appreciate it. I know you're really busy. Um, so I appreciate you taking time out of your morning. And uh, I'm sure we'll speak again very, very soon. Absolutely. Cheers, mate. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Thanks for joining us, mate. That was the brilliant James Thompson, football writer, Manchester City fan. Um, and uh, yeah, he's looking forward to the game a little bit more than we are, probably, uh, given the state of the two sides and the fact that Manchester City uh, are so strong, um, which is uh, something that nobody can deny. Now, it's really, really difficult to predict Arsenal's starting eleven, And when we were doing preview shows prior to the lockdown, I was giving you my starting 11s rather than the ones I thought that Mikel Arteta was necessarily going to pick. Um, so we're going to continue in that vein and I'm going to go through the team that I would pick uh, for the game at the Etihad tomorrow night. Uh, starting with the goalkeeper, I think this one is a no-brainer. I think it's 
got to be at 100% burned. Leno, um, I think at right back, I'd probably go with Hector Bayerin. Now, I, I made the point on the last episode that we didn't really uh, see much of the Brentford game. But what we did see in terms of the highlights, there was one instance where he drove forward. I think it was for Arsenal's opener. Um, and he looked a little bit more sharper than he has in recent times. Fitness has been an issue for Hector Bellerin since he come back from that long-term injury. Don't think there's any doubt about that. I think, as I've said previously, his role has slightly changed um, in the sense of, I think he's being asked to be that little bit more conservative um, when Arsenal get forward. He's been asked to stay um, and help with the defence whilst uh, Bukayo Saka, whoever it is, plays at left-back, is given that freedom and that licence to bomb on. So I think you'll continue to see a little bit more of a conservative Hector Bayerin, but he would be my right-back. At left-back, um, this is the uh, one of the tough positions because we know that Kieran Tierney is back to full fitness. We know that Bukayo Saka has taken like a duck to water in that role, despite it not necessarily being his natural position. So having taken all of that into consideration, and I have been thinking about this quite a bit, I'm going to go with uh, Kieran Tierney. And the reason I'm going to go with Kieran Tierney is simply because of the, the calibre of the opponent that we face uh, on Wednesday night. Of course, Manchester City have got plenty of attacking talent. Um, they're a real threat, particularly down that right-hand side, whether it be Mares or, or Bernardo or whoever plays down that flank. I do worry about uh, the defensive side of it. So um, I'm going to go with Kieran Tierney just because he is naturally a left-back um, that's assuming that the fitness levels are, are on par with those of Bukayo Saka, in which case, for me, it's Kieran Tierney. At centre-back, I think David Lewis has got to play. I know he's taken a, a load of stick uh, after that Brentford game for his part in one of the goals, um, where he tried to be a little bit too clever, flick it over the defender, etc., etc. Um, but I think David Lewis is a very experienced campaigner. I don't necessarily think Arsenal are blessed with lots of defensive talent. Um, and that makes it, I guess... Um, well, it increases David Lewis's chances of playing. So I go David Lewis. Uh, that's uh, that's me. I know a lot of you are going to uh, disagree with that probably. Um, and alongside him, it's a toss-up for me between Shkodran Mustafi and Pablo Marie. Given that we've seen the advantages, in my opinion, of playing with a left-footed centre-back in the way that we can build up play from the back, and I'm very sure that Mikel Arteta is going to want to uh, continue to develop the team into playing his style of football I think I'm going to go with Pablo Marie. However, I will say that Shkodran Mustafi has improved significantly since Mikel Arteta's come in. That doesn't necessarily mean that, again, I think he's the finished article or that he's good enough for the longer term. But it is worth noting that he made an error at Chelsea um, where we ended up getting the 2-2 draw. But other than that, I think he's been a pretty, um, well, at least better than he was in, in previous times. So, um that's my take on the back four. So it's a, a Bern Leno in goal, Hector Bayer in, uh, David Lewis, Pablo Marie, and uh, Kieran Tierney. Moving into the midfield, I think it's a no-brainer here for me. Obviously, Lucas Torreira is not available, or it doesn't look like he's going to be available. So um, for me, it's got to be Granit Xhaka and Danny Ceballos. Um, I think that we saw signs that that can work um, before the break. I think in terms of Danny Ceballos, he's proved me wrong um, in the last few games, showing that he does have a dogged side to him. He can be tenacious when he needs to be, uh, and he can play that little bit deeper. So I think, yeah, I, I think that's what I'll go with. Shaka and Ceballos, I think, given what we have available to us, I think that's the best balance. 
I think maintaining possession is going to be key at Manchester City because if you give them 60-70% of the ball, um, they're going to break you down eventually. And I think what Ceballos allows us to do is do that a lot better than Matteo Genduzzi does, as industrious as he is, as energetic as he is. Um, I think that will be uh, Mikel Arteta's choice and it's my choice as well. And I think that Genduzzi hasn't necessarily impressed um, Mikel Arteta too much. Um, before I move on to the rest of the team, guys, if you've got any questions, leave them in the live chat and I'll come to them before we wrap up the stream. Um, big hello to everyone watching us live on YouTube and a big hello to everyone listening via the audio as well. Please leave us a review, subscribe, hit the like button. You know the drill by now. Um, and uh, don't forget to visit the Chronicles AFC website as well, which has had a real revamp of late. Um, and it is flying at the moment in terms of the, the visitors. So we're really, really pleased with that. So uh, my midfield pivot is Granite Xhaka and Danny Ceballos. Moving forward, I'll go with Mesut Ozil. I know a lot of people are going to disagree with that as well. Um, you know, he's a player who divides opinion. Uh, for me, he helps Arsenal maintain possession. Um, he drops into the half spaces quite often to receive the ball, which gives us an additional option. And I think we do move the ball and hold the ball a lot better when he's in the side. But I also appreciate that He's not necessarily the most industrious player. He's not necessarily defensively uh, mindful, which may put some people off. So I understand if there are those out there who feel that that would be the wrong choice. But that's my view on it. Um, that's my take on it. Mesut Ozil plays for me. Um, the other option is Joe Willock, who I think has done well. I spoke about Joe Willock actually a couple of episodes ago and that I think that he does offer a lot in that final third. He does work hard. He brings an energy, a drive, a directness uh, to this Arsenal team. But for me, I'll, I'll just stick with Mesut Ozil. So that's uh, what I'm going with. Up top, I'll go with Alex Lacazette through the middle because I think that Arsenal are going to need to make the ball stick when we do get it up there in order to allow people to, to join in uh, with the play. I think he creates... Um, I think what he does is he creates... Uh, but he creates a distraction, doesn't he? By receiving the ball and bringing defenders on, he creates space for Aubameyang and, and, and whoever plays on the other side. So I think it's, he's important. I think, um, you know, he hasn't always been great in front of goal this season, um, but I think his season has been disrupted by a number of things, by injuries, by being in and out of the team at times. So uh, Lacazette through the middle for me. Aubameyang from the left, because I think when the fullback does get forward, he is very, very good at stepping into that half space and exposing the opponent in that sort of inside left channel, um, almost Thierry Omri-esque. And we've seen Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, despite playing from a wide position so often this season, continue his excellent vein of form in front of goal. So in that, um, in that case, and for that reason, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang plays on the left for me. And on the right, I'm going to go with Nicolas Pepe. I think he needs a run of games, um, you know, to see what he can do. I think he... He does carry a threat on the counter-attack. I'd like to see him dribble a little bit more. I'd like to see him receive the ball a little bit deeper when Arsenal defending and, and use his speed and his trickery to get us up the pitch quickly. So, um, obviously, as well, he he offers a threat coming into that half space as well, particularly on his stronger left foot, where he can open up and fire towards that far post, whether that's a shot at goal or, or trying to pick out a teammate. So, yeah, really, really, um, really looking forward to the game. And that is my uh, team. Uh, for this one. So let me run through it one final time. Uh, Berndeno in goal, Bayerin, Luis, Marie and uh, Tierney, Xhaka, Ceballos, Ozil, 
Aubameyang, Lacazette and Pepe. That is my starting 11. Let me know yours in the comments section below. I'd love to see them um, and I'd love to hear your reasons as well for, for making the selections that you do. Um, let's touch on Mikel Arteta's press conference yesterday. It was so strange uh, seeing a virtual press conference. And I know when we watch him on TV, normally we only see that really close-up angle anyway. Um, but he was using a green screen, just like me. Um, and dare I say, this was really, really bad quality. It looked terrible. He looked like an alien sitting in, you know, like it was just like a, I know it's it's an illusion. You're not really got that behind you, but it just looked funny to me. I, it didn't look right. I couldn't get used to it. But I suppose given the current climate is something that we're going to have to get used to a hell of a lot more. Um, he spoke about the, the Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang contract situation. That was obviously going to be one of the big talking points. Um, he was asked about um, how he's feeling about that. And of course, that comes in light of Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's comments uh, just a couple of days ago, in which he essentially called out the board and said, do your jobs. You know what you have to do, um, which says to me that he knows exactly what he wants. Uh, it says to me that he's communicated exactly what it wants. But I also think that in Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's case, this is not just about how many zeros uh, get added onto the end of the contract. I do think that there is a desire from Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang to see Arsenal uh, show some ambition in terms of their transfer business this summer. Now, I also appreciate, though, that this is a really unprecedented and difficult time. And whereas normally each summer, you know, we're sitting there going, spend some fucking money. Come on, Arsenal, spend some money. I think this time um, it's um, I think we've got to be a little bit more patient, a little bit more understanding of the situation. We've also got to take into account that having asked the players to take a pay cut, you then risk uproar if you decide to then go nuts in the transfer market so i think there's a balance to be had here i think if you can find players and you can convince the, the squad perhaps that these players are going to benefit the team they'll be more open to it but having asked them to take a pay cut for 12 months or whatever it is that is um going to put arsenal in an even more difficult situation when it comes to now how do they come across when they make those signings how do they come across when they look to spend money uh, and i think managing that relationship between the players and the club is important i don't think we've had that uh, down to a t since probably arsene wenger's heyday i think there's always been dissent in the camp good players wanting to leave um i hope that mikel arteta can bridge that gap between the players and the, the club's hierarchy because he it feels to me like he cares um it feels to me like <coughs> apologies hay fever um it feels to me like he's got them on side and it feels to me like he listens and he's very uh strong in his communication with the players and hopefully he can relay their concerns and thoughts uh, up to the board and, and that will lead to a good partnership between all um what else are we going to talk about um you know we've we've spoken about the press conference we've spoken about the match in terms of a prediction i think for me uh, i think the prediction you know, if I was thinking with my head would be a Manchester City win. I think the atmosphere has been really different since football's returned behind closed doors. And I refer to the, the other leagues uh, that are already underway, in particular the Bundesliga, which I've done a lot of work on uh, for total football analysis in this last uh, five or six weeks. So I think that the atmosphere will be different. I think there'll be a drop in intensity like Mikel Arteta has uh, alluded to because there won't be that energy from the crowd. I think that was a great point he made. Um, and I think that you've seen um, 
you've seen that in in the other leagues as well. Does home advantage count for as much in this current climate? Maybe not. Um, so that gives Arsenal a slight advantage in this one, uh, but equally it works both ways because when we play games at the Emirates, we're going to have the same issue. Um, I guess for me, I'm I'm confident that Arsenal, if they cut out the individual errors, which has been such a big problem, um, you know, because we're, in Mikel Arteta's tenure, we've we've made ourselves a lot more difficult to beat. So if we can now cut out those errors, I think you'll see a lot of those draws that we've seen in recent times turn into victories and turn into three points. It's not to say I think Arsenal are going to go to the Etihad and win, but I'm confident Arsenal can get a draw. Um, if I was a betting man, I'd go for 1-1. One, one. Um, that's what I'm hoping for. That's what I think we're capable of if we perform. But we know that with Manchester City, if you're not at your level very quickly, you will find yourself in deep, deep shit because they are a great side um, with a lot of ability. So um, that's my take on it. I'm going to go for a draw. I'm going to stick my neck out on the line and go for a draw. Now, um, last week we announced that you could become a patron. Uh, of the Chronicles of Akuna podcast. And I want to say a massive thank you to everybody who signed up already. It means the world to us. But what we did following on from some feedback from, from some of you guys was we decided to add another tier. So this is how it works. So you can simply support the podcast for a pound, uh, one pound a month, uh, and you will become a Chronicles of Aguna member. <laughs> And you will get priority when asking questions on the shows. That's not to say I'm not going to take questions from those of you who are not patrons. So please do not worry about that. Um, but patrons will be part of the, the membership scheme um, and they can do that for as little as one pound a month. Now, we will be bringing the, the next tier of Patreon, which is three pound a month, some exclusive content. Um, over the the course of their their membership. Now, that's not to say that we're going to reduce the content that we're doing here. Everything you're currently getting now, you will still get it for free. Uh, but if you want to become a patron and support the podcast and help us achieve our goals and help us bring more people on board and offer opportunities to those um, who are looking to break into the world of sports journalism, just like I did, then um, please do become a patron and you will get some access to some exclusive content. The first bit of exclusive content will be a player ratings uh, video, which will come immediately well, within half an hour of the conclusion of Arsenal versus Manchester City on Wednesday night. So I'm really looking forward to doing that. You'll be able to uh, communicate with us uh, via the Patreon channel as well. Um, so you can do that by heading over to patreon.com forward slash the Chronicles of Aguna. The link will be in the description. Um, and I thank you all for your continued support. Again, I want to reiterate, though, it is not compulsory. We'd love to have you on board. We'd love to have you as members. And of course, those who do sign up will get their free gift um, after three months of membership as well so um plenty to look forward to but yeah just wanted to put that out there again thank you so much to everyone who signed up already and uh do not fear there is plenty more to come um in terms of the game on wednesday night now i'm going to be working on commentary i am commentating for total football analysis via hot mic uh, which is a cool little app where you can download um and you can sync our commentary with your television uh, television screens and essentially have it all in sync and in time. It's an alternative view. Obviously, you'll get an Arsenal view for myself, but I'm also joined by one of the most talented analysts in the football world. His name's Lee Scott. He's recently written a book on Jurgen Klopp, which is due to come out very, very soon. But his first book, which was a huge, huge hit, was on Pep Guardiola. And Lee Scott uh, will give us some incredible insight tomorrow, live during the game, on, uh, on the tactical battle and how that is unfolding. So you can come and join us, sign up to the Hot My Cap 
uh, using the promo code TFA2020. Give us a follow on there. Uh, plenty of broadcasts to come, and tomorrow we'll be covering Arsenal versus Manchester City, which I'm really, really looking forward to. Right, let's go over to the live comment section and see what you guys have been saying uh, throughout the show. Um, Carol says, Harry, these podcasts are a bit early to catch live. My apologies, Carol, but with it being a preview, I wanted to get it out as early as possible today. And by doing it early, it allows me to get the audio out early and as many people uh, as possible can tune in ahead of this game. So that gives you all of today and all of tomorrow in the lead up to the game to listen. Thank you so much. Uh, Omar, looking ahead to tomorrow's game, says, I'm excitedly scared. Um, yeah, I think a lot of people are feeling that way, my friend. Um, let's see what else we've got here. In terms of a prediction, we've got Azzy. He says, I'm going for a Desmond 2-2. Um, Omar says 3-1 to City. Let's see what else we've got in terms of predictions. Uh, duh, duh, duh. Let's have a look. Uh, Graham Sutherland says 2-1 or 3-1 to City. We might sneak a 2-2 if they are rusty. Uh, so those are your some of your predictions. Uh, in terms of the team selection, uh, lots of people uh, slightly disagree with my team, which is absolutely fine. That's what the chat is for, um, for you guys to, to express your views as well, um, which is great stuff. Uh, as he also points when I was talking about books, he says, uh, talking about books, Wenger's got an autobiography coming out. Absolutely he has. I've pre-ordered it from Waterstones. If you haven't already do so, I think there were some signed copies available, actually, if you pre-ordered it by a certain time. Um, I don't know if there's still some of those available. Um, hi to Robo. Um, hi to Carol. Hi to Francis, um, who is joining us uh, from Hong Kong. Uh, welcome to the show, mate. Let us know what time it is over there, because I can imagine it's quite a big time difference. Um and let's have a look at some of your questions now. Azzy, do you feel as Arsenal fans, you need to lose one of Lacazette or Oba to move forward? Fitting both in the team, do you feel it works or not? I think that in the long run, I think we need to settle on one or the other. I think the reason Arsenal are reluctant to do that at this moment in time is because of the situation with Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's contract. I mean, you risk, if you sell Lacazette, you risk losing him. And I think there's a reluctance to, to put Lacazette ahead of Aubameyang because of, you know, the, the the goal returns that the two players bring. I think for me, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang has proven that he can play from that left-hand side. And people will say he's not suited to the role, and I get that. He he's, ideally is not. But for me, he's proven that he can do that. And it, it benefits Arsenal to have more attacking talent on the field, seeing as we're so weak defensively. So, um, yeah, I, I'm... Okay with it for now, but I think in the longer term, it will be a case of settling for uh, one forward or the other. And I think that decision will probably be made for us when uh, or if uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang decides to move on. So, yeah, I think for the time being, it's okay. But I think you're right. I think in the long run, something will have to give. And I just fear that that decision will be taken out of Mikel Arteta's hands for, for other reasons. Um, Francis asks... We've got quite a number of centre-backs. Who do you think uh, needs to move on? This is a tough one um, because really in an ideal world, you'd love to just wipe the slate clean and go out and get some decent central defenders. But we know that that isn't ever going to be the case. Arsenal aren't going to be in a position to just chuck in, uh, you know, to just chuck, you know, a number of these centre-backs. I think that the ones that I think are more advanced than the others, and I'm just going to do it like that, 
uh, is David Lewis. I think Mustafi's better than most, um, contrary to public opinion. I think Pablo Marie is great um, based on what we've seen so far. Um, I'm not convinced by Rob Holding since he's returned, but I'm willing to give him more time because I think that the injury had a massive impact on him. Um, Callum Chambers, again, is another one. Long-term injury. Don't know how he will deal with it when he comes back. I think Mavropanos should just be moved on. I don't think he's ever going to make it at Arsenal, being harsh and to the point. Um, I'm interested to see William Saliba's progress. And William Saliba's level will determine whether we then get rid of one or the other. So, um, you know, that's uh, that's going to uh, make a massive difference in terms of this question. In terms of Socrates, um, look, again, He's not someone I want to see play at the Arsenal uh, for a long time. He's not someone I particularly rate, um, but he is there at the moment. He is experienced. He does plug a hole from time to time. And again, I go back to that same point. When you haven't got any standout central defenders, it's difficult, isn't it, to make these kind of choices and say who needs to go. In an ideal world, I'd get rid of every single one of them and I'd bring in new players. But we know that that is not necessarily going to be possible. And it's going to take a, a number of transfer windows to move out and bring in the right players. So, yeah, just got to be a little bit patient on that one. Uh, what else have we got in terms of questions? Um, as I just scroll through, uh, bear with me. Uh, actually, I've got some on Twitter. Let me uh, go into Twitter. Big thanks to those of you who have uh, sent in your questions via there as well. Uh, this one comes from Brad Richardson. He says, is this the best time to play Manchester City in your opinion? Um, it's a hard one because I think that when you take into account some of the factors, so no crowd, um, rustiness, I think then, yeah, it does weaken Manchester City, but those same factors, I think, weaken Arsenal as well. So I'm a little bit reluctant to say that this is a better time to play Manchester City than it would have been prior. Um, given the whole thing about home advantage being, I guess, essentially wiped out, I think I slightly argue in that it's better now than it would have been. But I also think Arsenal were in a good run of form going into the original fixture. And had we played that, I was relatively confident that we could turn up and give a decent account of ourselves, if not get a result. Um, so, yeah, that's where I'm at on that. Thank you all for your questions. Um, thank you to everybody who's tuned in. Uh, really, really appreciate it. And we look forward to the game tomorrow. Don't forget, as I said, you can join me for live commentary alongside Lee Scott via the Hot Mic app from around about eight o'clock. We'll be diving into the game, looking at the two teams and then taking you through the entire 90 minutes. So please, please do come and join us. Um, yeah, that's it. Uh, thank you so much. Don't forget, if you want to become a patron, the details are on the screen below. If you're listening via the audio, it's patreon.com forward slash the Chronicles of Aguna. You can sign up, become a member for a pound and support the podcast, or you can become a, a super fan and receive exclusive content for just £3 a month. Uh, we thank you all for your continued support. We'll be back very, very soon. Um, we'll be back on Thursday morning, uh, looking back at the Manchester City game. So until then, take care of yourselves. Uh, enjoy your Wednesday and come on, you Gunners. <laughs>